0: This is David Smurton, and you're listening to The Full English Breakfast.
1: This is episode number 37 of The Full English Breakfast. I'm Macaulay Peterson. Today on the show, we'll speak with Iranian International Master Dorsa Derakhshani, who was recently banned by her own Chess Federation along with her little brother. She joins us to explain why, but first I'm joined by International Master Lawrence Trent and Grandmaster Simon Williams. Hello. How are you guys feeling? I have a little cold today, so I sound kind of like Darth Vader.
0: Don't you sound like that all the time? Yeah, doing fine, uh, Macaulay. Not so shabby. Talking about shabby. How's my ginger mate <laughs> on the other, the other end uh, Do you think that, that sums me up, the word shabby? Shabby chic? Do you know what it was, mate? I've known you for many, many years, and for, I would say, 90% of the time I've known you, maybe even more than that, you've been a clean-shaven man.
2: Yeah, that's true. And
0: it's only recently you've been sporting the ultimate ginger goatee. I know. Which, by the way... I really like. I've always been a big facial hair fan. Well, I I have to
2: say, I think I've been watching too much television, Loz, and, you know, all these Game of Thrones and Vikings. I thought, I love those big ginger beards. I'm going to grow it to the floor. It's got to be done. So I'm going a bit more shabby in my old age, Loz. There's a job for you
0: there, mate. You've got the look. I
2: think so. Cheers, mate.
0: You definitely look like you're from north of the wall. (laughs) Do do, do, do you know what Ju
2: Wenjun said to me, Loz?
0: I saw you on TV last night. What were you doing with that axe?
2: <laughs> well, she said she reminded me. I sorry, I reminded her of um, the big ginger guy. Yes, who's originally the actor. I think he's from the north. And she said, "You look like uh, I can't remember his name now." But that's that. Apparently, that's that's who I look like. The
0: other thing is, if you actually shave off the beard and keep the clothes on, you'll look like um, careful. Uh, what's his face? Is uh, the, the the wildling? Oh, the wildling. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm not sure where we're going here. But only once you take the beard off, keep that hair long. And you'll be spot on okay cheers los for that
1: i never got out of season one so i have no clue what you guys are talking about you're missing out well oddly enough personal grooming and dress are actually the theme of today's show in a way our guest dorsa Darakshani, was recently banned by the iranian chess federation after she appeared at the gibraltar chess festival without wearing an islamic headscarf and not only that her little brother who was also playing in the tournament was banned as well his crime playing against a player from Israel hi dorsa thanks for joining us
3: hi that's that's an honor
1: we're really excited to, to talk with you because we've been following your story but first can you just tell us what is your current situation what's the current status of your relationship with the Iranian chess Federation
3: well First of all, I haven't played any FIDA events for dance since November 2015. I never actually had any problem with the Federation. They invited me to play Olympiad and many events before and after that. And my answer was always the same because I didn't really want to play for them. And if they wanted me to play, I, wanna, I had some requests. And they didn't like the player who had demands. So um, I never wanted to play for them. And they never really wanted to like... Try hard to get me, and I think we were having good terms. <laughs>
1: they had invited you as recently as uh, this past Olympiad in Baku. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And you have played, of course, many events outside of the country in past years, also without observing their dress code, presumably.
3: Yes. First of all, I didn't live in Iran for almost a year now. Mm-hmm when i don't use the government money for like two years now and i also don't live there i just don't see the point on why would i be dressing like that anymore
2: So it's quite important that um you know the money that you know where you played in gibraltar came from yourself
3: uh yeah we well, yeah we always play with um our our money not with the federation money federation hasn't sent me on any open since I can remember
2: also your your brother as well, we should mention your younger brother, who's you know very young, also got a ban um, put on him. It seems like your brother was in a very unfortunate situation because he was rushed before the game he didn 't have much time to know who is playing, and it must have come as a bit of a shock when this all happened because obviously. He was playing in two tournaments in Gibraltar, and there's not much time in between the rounds. Is that correct? Do you want to just tell us about that as well?
3: Yes, yes, that was exactly what happened, and it was happening for all of the rounds because he was playing in the, in the Challengers in the morning, so he would probably be playing up until. 1, one thirty, sometimes 2. And the first round was exactly the same. He played his morning game and then he, he had the lunch. And then when he wanted to go to the game, he checked the pairings on the wall. I remember this specifically because on the wall, there was no flag or the nationality of the opponent. So he couldn't know that, for example, this guy is from Israel, I'm not supposed to play with him. He just saw that he's playing with the Husman and he went to play. And honestly, I myself thought that Huzman was a Russian. I mean, I I read about him in in the Gelfand books, but I really didn't check much of the Israeli players.
1: Right. Now, I just want to be clear on one uh, point that you mentioned. So Alexander Huzman, in fact, was born in the Soviet Union uh, and moved to Israel uh, in 1992 when he was, I guess he would have been about 30. This was, first of all, it was the first round of the tournament, and your brother, he was actually not at all aware of his opponent's uh, nationality or or federation status.
3: No, there was no way to know it unless he knew man personally. Right. He also got a ban, and that was also out of blue, because, first of all, he was very young, and they gave some punishment via the media. I mean, they could give us a text after the interview was done, and they could say, like, Uh, This interview is coming up, be careful, or something is a heads up, anything, but they didn't. The protocol should be that when some player does something that he's not supposed to do by their rules, so when the player comes back, the situation makes like a mm, hearing and they ask the player to come in and um, like try to justify himself or just try to explain what happened. And if he's found guilty, some something like banned for I don't know a month to three months, or I mean that's the last thing they do. They they banned for three months, six months. If it's proven that like they be found guilty, then um, they can promise re- make a written promise that they will not do it again. Or if no, it's like a bigger uh, crime. Let's say <laughs> they would um, be banned for playing any national tournament for six months, six, um, one year even. Three months. I mean, there is a time limit to this. The hearing has been done, so it's like it's like some kind of a small course, I could say. But I don't know. I've never seen it myself.
1: And you've never had any kind of warning or request to observe the dress code in similar events in the past. So this is an unprecedented situation to be banned outright.
3: Yeah, to. actually, the president has seen me many times without scarf. So that I mean, before, even before he was the president. So, I I mean, he told me to um, have the scarf around my neck so that if somebody photographs me, uh, they could say, like, it was fallen. But uh-huh. that's what, I mean, I never did that because that was, that was stupid for me. I mean, either I wear it or I don't wear it. Why would I care about somebody thinking that I was wearing it and now I'm not wearing it? That's, that's totally lying, and I, I, I never did that. That was just too stupid for me.
1: It's worth a quick note that we've contacted the Iranian Chess Federation President Mejdad Padawanzada for a comment. And if he does get back to us, we'll be happy to hear his explanation for some of these events.
2: Have you heard anything back from um, the the president since the ban has actually occurred? And you've, you've tried to, you know, reason with them that, of course, this was a very unfortunate situation that your brother got in?
3: Uh, not me directly, but uh, my father had some calls with him. And um, he seemed sure that he could like fix the situation when he knew what happened. I don't have any mm, written statements, so I don't know if I'm supposed to tell everything. But he also agreed that it was it would have been much logical and much better if he just didn't have that interview and he could have just said that it's still under investigation or we are still looking into it or oh that happened i didn't know i'll look into it instead of giving that interview and making all these problems because somebody tipped that reporter to ask about my brother and i specifically not about anything else and on those days uh, the women's cup was going on in tehran and everybody was stressed about it and I mean, I personally can't understand that the, that Merced was under a lot of pressure. I mean, I understand the stress point, but I don't understand why would he give an interview, which would make a lot of problems. I mean, this is harming chess in Iran. There has already been lots of talks about making chess forbidden again by the government. So two, three more stories like this, and chess will be in very dangerous ground.
2: It's a real pity because, of course, uh you know the recent world championships you know is trying to promote in some respects chess in iran and uh, these incidents uh, seem to go against that do you think there's any way that uh, this ban could have been to deflect things that were happening you know in iran because you know the tournament had some uh, you know at the start some uncomfortable things surrounding
3: it well um i do think that the reporter who got some tips was supposed to get some answers from the president, who would try to take the attention away from the fact that all of the Iranian players got knocked out the first round. I can see the point of view of um, the reporter. I mean, the reporter wanted the story and he got the story. But I still don't get why Merta would actually go through with this game and answer his questions. He could just say, when I have more information, I'll let you know, or let's do it another time. He he wasn't obligated to answer the questions. And he also said that um, he was kind of surprised when they called him about it, because it was out of the blue for him, too. I mean, it was like three weeks or even a month past mm-hmm. this game happened, and I was not wearing the scarf since many tournaments. So that wasn't a new thing.
1: Right, which he would have and, been aware of, um, also. Um,
3: Yeah, he was aware of it since 2015, and he he knew that, I mean, I don't live there, I don't play for the team, so even by anybody's logic, well, you don't live there, why would you do the rules?
1: Well, Elshan Moriabadi was quoted on on chess.com as in a discussion about these issues, mentioning that there was no written regulation. Um, Now, I think he was referring to the um, point about not playing against Israeli players rather than the headscarf, but as far as you know, is there a written regulation pertaining to Iranian players playing in tournaments outside of Iran on either point?
3: No. And the thing is that um, the government can't really have a point for this because, I mean, the most that they can do is forbid players to play out of the country. Or like tell them that they only can't play with the government's money, so they have to like do the dress code. But even Iranian, uh, when Iranians uh, go out of Iran as tourists, they don't wear it. Other, I mean, if they are celebrities or if they want something from the government, they probably would do the dress code. But I didn't want anything from the government, so I didn't see the point to it. And uh, for the game against Israel, uh, no, there is no written. Thing because um, from all I know, since I was playing in World Youth, everybody was like um, kind of worried that they would be paired against Israel and they couldn't play. But nobody asked them, okay, what if you play? Nobody actually did it before. And I mean, if it's forbidden, tell me it's forbidden and tell me the punishment. I don't know. Tell me if you play against Israel, you will be jailed for two years. I know that the punishment is this and I will not play it. Or tell me you, you will be banned from playing chess for your lifetime. And I will know the punishment and I will see if it's worth it or not. But when when you don't know if this is a rule or when you don't know if this is a punishment, what is the punishment? Well, it could happen to anybody. I
2: find it. A little bit strange that, um, you know, one of the arguments about wearing the hijab in Iran was you've got to respect the the national culture, which I I totally understand. And, you know, I think uh, people wearing the hijab over in the World Championships is understandable. But also, should that not uh, affect when you are also in other countries, say, you know, in Gibraltar, that, you know, you're not playing for, you know, under the government's name? that you can also respect their local culture, and that's not wearing a hijab if you don't want to as well. I mean, it should work both ways in some respects.
3: Yes, that is kind of true. When somebody is in another country, it's better to respect the country that they're in at the moment, instead of the country that would have some rules on their own. This is getting complicated.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, since you have decided not to play on the Iran national team, anyway uh, for a couple of years what practical effect does the ban have on your chess playing
3: aspirations um i don't think it had any because uh i was thinking about play maybe mm, asking the federation to play for uh for junior in italy this year but i mean i can just play for another federation by then and um when i find one and i change to one i can play in fide events again but until then um Well, I don't survive it not playing in team events.
0: Dorsey, you know, I just want to say, I'm sure I speak for the entire chess community that, you know, 99.99% of people support your plight and what you're doing. And I think that when ugly episodes like this happens and we see the negative impact of politics influencing chess, it's a real shame because you are such a talented player. You've been over 2,400 uh, you're very young. Clearly, most federations in the world would be extremely appreciative of having you. So it's a really unfortunate situation. But I'm sure you already know that the, the chess community is behind you. Thanks a lot. Do you see any kind of change in attitude from, your, uh, from the Iranian Chess Federation? Is it at all possible? Or is it just so inextricably linked to politics that... There's simply no way that they're going to say, for example, like in the case of your brother, well, now playing against Israel is fine. Is, is it going to change or, or, or is it just going to be like this for the, for the foreseeable future? Well, also,
1: if it's, if it's really based on a misunderstanding, is there not some yeah. way to walk it back to have some kind of reconciliation?
3: Mm, the other thing is that my brother is also not living in Iran, so I don't really see how he would also be concerned with this because um, he is also planning on changing federation. He's been planning it for as long as I have been. But I, don't, I still don't have any problems. I mean, I still don't feel any negative emotions towards um, the president nor the federation. The federation is what always has been. They want the players to pretend and players play by the rules. So they don't have any problems with anyone. And um, I just didn't want to play by the rules if they asked me back, I would have said no. Anyways, I've made up my mind. If I start playing for a country, I want to play for the country forever. I don't want to keep changing. I don't want to keep jumping from here to there. I, I, the plan is to choose a country, preferably my own country, but since that's not happening, to find a country, to choose a country and stick to it, play it, play every event for it, be proud that I'm playing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, Does it complicate your, your freedom yeah. of movement in and out of Iran where you still have family in any way?
3: Well, I I am planning on going back and for a visit, but I just don't have enough time because I'm always in tournaments. It's really hard to find time and go back and stay two weeks, relax and come back. Well I'm not sure because I I mean nobody is holding I mean nobody is asking me to go and answer any questions or anything, so I I don't think it's gonna be any problems for either of us.
1: Okay. Well that's good to hear. Well, (laughs) thank you very much for uh, taking the time to tell us your story. We wish you all the best.
3: Well, uh, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are two very important uh, takeaways that I have that I didn't know from this discussion with Dorsa. And one is that it's absolutely clear the powers that be at the Iran Chess Federation were aware that she did not wear a headscarf when competing in international events, not representing Iran. And took no action for a considerable period of time prior to this. So this is essentially an about face on their de facto policy. And the second is the very important detail that her brother was not even aware that he was playing an Israeli player. Now, again, setting aside the whole, <laughs> the whole ethical discussion about whether it makes any sense at all to try to forbid a player from competing against a player of another nationality. It certainly puts a different spin on that when you recognize that he wasn 't making a political statement in any way he simply had no idea, and he might have in fact acted differently had he been aware um, so you know if the policy is intended to to try to make a political point, punishing someone for something that was completely unintentional is especially cruel. It seems I
2: think it sounds like a very unfortunate situation the way I see it. It seems like the president of the Iranian Chess Federation was maybe caught on the spot and uh, he he answered rather under the heat of the moment without knowing all the facts and people may be making decisions under pressure which they shouldn't have made at that point in time the fact that the world championships recently has been played in iran and everyone had to wear a hijab there and one of their main points for that was well you've got to respect the local culture and I think this point that okay, well if you're over some in another country and you're playing you can also respect their culture, which means, you know, in in Gibraltar as such where this happened, that uh, I think not wearing a hijab is totally fine, especially if you're not warned about it. I mean I, I think Lawrence you know, made a good point earlier as well, that it's very sad in chess because uh, when politics gets involved, because, you know, one of the joys of playing chess is that it transcends age, it should transcend everything. When you're actually sitting at the board, it doesn't matter who you're playing, doesn't matter who they are, you're playing a game of chess. And that's the ideal sort of form. But Lawrence says, you know, politics get involved, everything seems to go wrong in, in certain respects.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's really sad about the Iranian situation specifically is how... You know they're thinking, or oh, the 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 idea of banning chess in the country for being uh, not un-Islamic, but I suppose yeah, it's something that distracts you from being as pious as possible. Well, it goes without saying. Uh, I think that's utter nonsense. And that's really sad, especially because, as everybody knows, Iran has got a group of incredibly young, talented players. I mean, really wonderful prospects. If the game were to be banned there, well, I mean, that would be. Dawson mentioned
2: that, Lawrence, didn't she? She said there's lots of talks going on in Iran that people do want to ban the game of chess. I mean, I also think the president may have been under a lot of pressure as well himself. If these things are going on, he has to maybe make a stand even though he maybe doesn't agree with that stand.
1: Right, so then the question becomes, if in retrospect some other information comes to light that makes that seem particularly like a harsh position to take, does he have any room to maneuver? Does he have any politically acceptable way to backtrack on the decision? Or is it now essentially, you know, his hands are tied?
0: Yeah, I think I think we can't underestimate how much heat he gets from his superiors or the state on this, right? So it's just all in all a really very unfortunate situation it doesn't look like there's a very easy way to resolve it either as as things stand i think dorsa can you imagine the weight on her shoulders all the time you know she just it's just extremely difficult
2: she did say lost didn't she that you know this could be a good thing that's happened in, in certain respects. Um, that you know, she's moved federation. She's going to get better opportunities. I mean, one thing I find very strange about this whole banning of chess in under certain, should we say, uh, regimes like the Taliban banned chess. There's been talk of chess being banned in Saudi Arabia, and uh, obviously there's talk about it banned it being banned in Iran as well. I mean, this is something I, I, you know, excuse my ignorance. I really don't understand why chess could be banned anywhere. If someone could explain that to me it, with any logic, I'd be amazed.
0: I think they should just ban it everywhere, save us all the a bit of hassle, we'll all get proper jobs and that kind of stuff. Oh, right?
2: yeah. What would we do? Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's just hope for the future. I mean, uh, you know, chess does open up all these opportunities. I think it has done to all three of us. And, you know, as well as being a fascinating game, it's it's something that should, I think, bridge the gap between religion, race, Age everything, and that's where I see chess going, rather than doing the opposite. And that would be sort of my hopefully positive thought for the future.
1: And now an endspiel, Kirsan's Jadub, a bit of international chess politics. There has been growing dissatisfaction with FIDE President Kirsan Ilmginov even among his former political allies. Profligate travel spending has blown a hole in the International Chess Federation's budget and compounded criticism of Illumzhinov, who, in 2015, was designated by the United States Department of the Treasury to have, quote, "...materially assisted and acted for or on behalf of the government of Syria," close quote. He has denied the allegations, but nearly two and a half years later, he remains sanctioned by the Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control, a fact that has undoubtedly caused consternation among FIDE officials. This week, in a bombshell announcement, the FIDE website posted news that Ilumzhinov had resigned his office at the conclusion of a presidential board meeting in Athens. The timing was surprising, and evidently, it even surprised Kirsan Nikolaevich, who promptly denied having resigned at all. It was more of a Zhe moment, really. In a statement, he said he was prepared to resign if it should become necessary. A follow-up letter from FIDE officials clarified that the resignation was indeed verbal, not written, but was repeated thrice, thrice I say, as Illumzhinov was leaving the meeting. Kirsan, for his part, blamed his poor English skills and the emotional discussion, basically saying it was all just a big misunderstanding. Everything is fine. He'll stay president through the next election in 2018. Uh Uh-uh, not so fast, came the rebuttal out of Athens. You resigned fair and square. No take backs or backsies now. The question now goes to an extraordinary board meeting to be held on April 10th. According to the FIDE handbook, any elected official can be removed from office with, quote, the agreement of the ethics committee and a two-third vote of the executive board. So mark your calendars, folks. April 10th, maybe they should live stream it. We'll buy the popcorn. Luke, I am your president.